Biblically speaking politically, since biblical days, people have had their eyes set on a politician to be their savior. In biblical times, they waged so much on the political aspects of a savior that when the true savior came, they didn't even recognize him and ultimately crucified the very one who was ordained as their savior. Jesus did not fulfill, act, or react according to what the people anticipated. See, they were looking for an earthly king, not the ruler of a spiritual kingdom, or not even one who was more committed to spiritual righteousness. They wanted a king who would reign politically and fall in line with religiosity, even if it were undergirded by hypocrisy, just as long as the quote-unquote savior supported their individual agendas. Things haven't changed much since biblical times. People are still looking for a political savior, and their character does not have to align with the spiritual righteousness of the kingdom of God, just as long as they are willing to stroke the eagles of the people and fall in line with their agendas and economic goals. See, Jesus came to earth to represent truth and set the example of godliness. He came to serve, not be served. He came to shed light, not appease the world's agendas. But because he did not endorse or validate the untruths and selfish agendas and did not politically fit in according to what the people wanted, he was crucified. In Matthew 23, it shows us that Jesus was not trying to win any accolades from the public. Jesus stood unwavering on the truth and the word of God. If you read Matthew 23, you will see Jesus is clear about his commitment to righteousness. As he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Jesus was talking to the Jews when he said this, the ones who were looking for a savior. They never expected a savior to check them on their hypocrisy. Now also be mindful that Jesus was born a Jew. And he had no problem checking them on their wrongs. This lets us know that we should never become so committed to labels, organizations, groups, or parties that we are not able to speak truth and declare what is right and what is wrong. But see, they didn't want someone to come and speak on their wrongs. That is not the kind of savior that they had been praying for. This is why the hardest prayer for people to pray is, Lord, show me me. It's a shame to say, but people want to be saved in their sin, not from their sin. But for God to save us in our sin without delivering us from our sin, he would have to lie and denounce himself as the truth and the life. Because the people were looking so hard for a political leader, someone to appease their desires. And Jesus came doing just the opposite. The truths he spoke offended them. 
So they crucified him. Plain and simple, Jesus was crucified because the people were offended by truth. Understand this. Crucifixion was a method of capital punishment. Crucifixion was an established mode of execution, which could have been imposed on generals for suffering a major defeat, which is why Jesus's physical resurrection is so crucial, as it is never to be thought that Jesus's execution had anything to do with him being defeated by anything or anyone. The practice of crucifixion was performed within ancient Rome as a means to discourage others from perpetrating the same crime, with victims sometimes being left on display after their death as a further warning. Crucifixion was intended to provide a death that was to be done publicly and at a particularly slow rate, a slow death. It was gruesome, humiliating, painful, excruciating, which is literally where the word crucifixion was derived. It is important to understand the undercurrent of Jesus' crucifixion. The truth, the representation of godliness was executed and put to death because truth and godliness was not what the people wanted or were looking for. Truth never soothes egos or proves to be selfishly profitable. This is why the Bible outlines the criteria which we should implement when electing leaders. In Deuteronomy 1 and 13, it says, Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. We have made it a norm to allow ourselves to be duped into electing celebrities, athletes, and people based on their popularity who are not wise in regards to the word of God, who are not understanding regarding political affairs, nor do they have any experience concerning community service or political policy. And God is charging us with negligence. Notice he said, once you put in place the wise, the understanding and experienced men, I will appoint them as your heads. We are still experiencing the backlash, shadiness and foolishness of the ungodly leader we had in place. Leaders God did not appoint. And we know this because they did not meet his criteria. And the sad thing is we have elections coming up and now shadiness and foolishness is coming back to the surface in all aspects of our government, state to state, nationally, locally. We have shadiness and foolishness seeking positions. We cannot afford to drop the ball again. We can no longer commit to electing leaders that fall contrary to the mandates God put in place concerning choosing our political leaders. 
We see history repeating itself as people pledge their undying commitment to leaders whose character and qualifications disregard the word of God. Why? Because people will turn from truth, pull away from godliness, and grab hold of support and stand on what pacifies them. What feeds and ignites their own perceptions and causes. Jesus was and is the living example of righteousness. And he has charged us as believers to be like him, to love what he loves and hate what he hates and walk with the same heart and character that he did. And in plain talk, the devil is not happy about the charge given to us by Jesus. So he sets out to use whomever he chooses to cater to the egos of the people, to stir up conflict, create division, and exalt self-righteousness. We have to remain diligent and committed to the righteousness of the word of God and the ways of Jesus, despite the political topic despite political agendas and even despite the popularity of political leaders. The moment we set aside the righteousness of God to side with, make excuses for, or endorse the ungodliness of anyone, we have made that person our God. And we have agreed to be set outside of the will of God and even become an enemy of the one true God. Be careful who and what you support and choose righteousness in its entirety every time. Notice I said choose righteousness in its entirety because every lie, every trick of Satan comes with an ounce of truth. It's been Satan's pattern since the beginning of time, since the Garden of Eden. You have people that will profess a diehard commitment to a particular politician because of their stance on one single issue. Despite the politician's ungodly character, despite the politician's ungodly actions and reactions. In Matthew 7, 15 through 16, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Notice the scripture tells us we will know false prophets, those who are deceivers, by their fruit, not by their words, not by what they profess to believe, but by their fruits, their actions, and their reactions. Godly leaders exalt actions and reactions that are godly. Godly leaders do not ignite division, but unity. Godly leaders have godly principles that align with the works and the words of Jesus Christ. Godly leaders don't make themselves the center of their mission. Godly leaders walk with humility, not arrogance. John 6:15 reads, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force, To make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Many take this passage out of context, boasting the perception that Jesus was against politics or politicians, and that is not true, nor is it the significance of this passage. 
God understands the need for politics and politicians on earth to govern and manage the affairs of the people and communities, which is why there are mandates in place regarding how we are to be obedient to our governing authorities. So for Jesus to be against what God clearly ordained and even mandated how we should choose our leaders would be ungodly and inconsistent with righteousness. Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself when they were about to force him into the position of kingship for two reasons. The first being any form of force is ungodly. Not even God forces us to do anything as force violates God's gift of free will. Second, Jesus knew the intentions of the heart of the people was not to exalt him because of righteousness, but for the sake of their own selfish agendas. Jesus foreknew these same people would sing Hosanna, Hosanna, and one week later would be yelling crucify him. This is why godly leaders don't seek to appease people, but they seek to exalt righteousness. I love the commentary given in the Geneva translation of this passage as it reads, not only is Christ not delighted by preposterous worship, but he is greatly offended by it. Jesus left and went off into the hills because their true intentions regarding making him king offended him. God-ordained leaders are more about exalting truth and serving the people than receiving accolades from the people. Now I'm just going to be a little bit forthcoming and transparent because I need someone to please explain to me why people right now today are more up in arms about our government going into the residence of a citizen to retrieve stolen top secret government documents that could compromise the safety of our entire nation than they are about the intentions of the person who had these documents in their possession. When someone intentionally takes what does not rightfully belong to them, they are a thief. Now I'm sure all of you will agree with the definition of a thief. Well, position and status don't change the definition of the word thief. And the Bible is clear in conveying to us the intentions of a thief. In John 10 and 10, the Bible says a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The word of God is so prevalent because it shows no partiality. It doesn't change based on individual circumstances or opinions as truth is just truth. Stolen documents confirmed. Now the next question based on biblical principles is what was it that was meant to be killed and destroyed? And politically speaking, what impact 
for these actions to have on our nation. If you want to assure that you're on the right side of righteousness, ask yourself this. If God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, were to manifest himself physically before me, would I stand on this decision to support who I am supporting? Their character, their actions, and reactions. We need to always be mindful that God may not be physically present before us, but he's always there with us. He always sees, hears, and he knows our heart. I am Pastor Deb, signing off, biblically speaking, politically.